Hello, my friend. Welcome to the show. And today we got a super special show for you because we got Carl Gould in the house who has built not one, not two, but three multi-million dollar companies before the age of 40. He was a young man that was just on a mission to get success, and that is exactly what he did. He's advised over 100 different fastest-growing companies in the U.S. and around the world. To say Carl is successful and that he knows what he's talking about is to say the least. But a little bit more about Carl. Some of the companies that he's worked with or he's helped are companies like Walgreens, Walmart, American Idol, USA Olympic Track, IBM, McGraw-Hill, and the U.S. Army, among many other multinational companies and organizations. Carl is also a published author, and he's written multiple books on the subject of business strategy, leadership, and sustainable growth. And in this conversation, Carl talks about some great strategies for business development that any business at any stage can use. I mean, his conversation was amazing because a lot of the times when I'm talking to entrepreneurs that bring their experience, I'm listening to what they're saying, I'm absorbing the information. But with Carl, a lot of that information was so good that I was just busy taking notes. And his information is no fluff. It's straight to the point. He gives you the things that you need to execute and get the results that you want. So there's no fluff there. There's real strategies that you can put into effect today into your business if you have a business or even if you don't have a business some of the things that I talked to Carl about is your personality type and how does that reflect in the type of business you're gonna have we all have different personalities and that personality shows up in our business the other thing we're gonna talk about is what is your compelling why and why do you do what you do if you have The two things that he talks about, if you have these two things in your compelling story, then you are going to make it. He also talks about something that is super important, and that is lead generation. Without lead generation, there are no sales. And without sales, there is no business. And that's one of the most important things that entrepreneurs need to learn is how to generate leads. The other thing we're going to talk about is reasons why business fail. And Carl knows firsthand why businesses fail because he's worked with so many. Also, why you should never discount your services or product because when you do that, you not only discount your product or service, but you actually discount yourself. But Carl also talks about how do you price yourself based on something that is super important and that is how many problems are you solving in the marketplace. The other thing that's interesting as well that we're going to talk about is content versus context. A lot of entrepreneurs when they come in, they think that that they don't have the experience to be successful in business, but the truth is they do have a lot of content that comes from their previous experience. They may not have the context that is needed in that specific business or niche that they've chosen, but it takes just a couple of strategies to shift your content and align it with your context to make it all work. And he's going to talk about how to lay that path to make sure your content is aligned with your context. And the last question that I asked Carl was an interesting one because I wanted to know the answer from what he is seeing in the business world out there. And his answer was surprising. It wasn't what I was thinking about, but it did not disappoint. The question that I asked him was, what are the hottest industries that entrepreneurs should think about getting into if they're thinking about starting a new business and he talked about industries that you may not expect but they are real industries that have the potential to make 
multi-million dollar businesses almost right off the bat and if you want to partake in a conversation around this content check out the facebook group at facebook.com groups slash voice of the entrepreneur and become part of the conversation where entrepreneurs just like yourself are talking about very similar things or pain points that you are going through right now and of course visit the website at voebher.com if you want to get more content just like that that's going to help you with your business all right my friend without a further ado here is carl gould Carl, I know you've built multi-million dollar companies and uh, people wonder how they can achieve that same level of success. Do entrepreneurs need to break it down to their what, how, and why to achieve that same level of success and really have love for what they do in order to achieve that? You don't even have to love the what, but if you love the how and the why, then, you know, you'll have the energy to get to a million and, and the energy to get there or, or the energy to win, the energy to be tops in your field. And let's set aside the money for a second, mm-hmm. uh, but the energy to be tops in your field, you're going to have to overcome the negative energy thrown your way. And the only way you're going to be able to do it is to be passionate about one or two of those three. If you're passionate about all three, you're addicted. You're going to love it. You're passionate about, about at least two, you're going to make it. I think you're so right about the whole cause thing. Because if you look at my own uh, voice of the entrepreneur, one of the principles or ideologies that we have is the cause. The cause conscious entrepreneur or a mission driven entrepreneur. That means someone that yeah. has gotten into business, not because to make money, but really because they believe in their product or their service doing something really good in this world. So I totally agree with that. I think it's very important for entrepreneurs to get into something that is for the right reason, and that is the cause. So the businesses that you're in now, Carl, they must have evolved from all the ones that you've done in the past to now really make it clear for you that this is what you're really passionate about, that this is the cause that you want to get behind. Talk to us about the journey of going through different businesses to now coming into something that you know and love and, and really know that that's your cause. Yeah, a great question. Because I, you know, when I became a coach for the first time, it was in the 90s, you know, and, and if you told somebody that you were a coach in the 1990s, they would say, wow, that is really cool. What sport? You know, it wasn't the idea of being a professional coach, you know, or life coach or business coach, you know, everyone that that was, it didn't really exist. And so I said at the time, my cause became helping others realize their dream and setting them up for success. And I remember wanting to be a coach and it, it really wasn't the industry it was today. And, and you didn't, you weren't the primary breadwinner and you didn't own a home and Mm -hmm. have kids and you were a coach like that. That was unheard of, you know? And so my cause became helping other entrepreneurs and visionaries and people who had an ideology and turn that into a practice that they can live off of, you know? And, and I get it. I'm a spiritual guy as well. And I get in the spiritual world, you know, there's a conflict. If you're, if you're financially driven, you must not be spiritual, you know, or, or you can't be abundant if you like money. And I got to tell you the most abundant, some of the most abundant people I know also have financial abundance and some of the scarce scarcity minded people I know are, are quote unquote spiritual and haven't taken care of themselves financially. And one of the things I've come to learn is that no life of abundance 
is complete without financial abundance. And if you are producing, if you are succeeding financially, you can help more people. You can reach more people. The person that the person that volunteers for a cause can reach the amount of people they're in right in that sphere. You know, you, you volunteer for the Peace Corps and you go to a village in Africa. That's great. You help that village. If you have a business that's generating dollars or money or cash, wherever you're from, and you could then build, help others get involved in your cause, you can help hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands, you know, of people. I mean, I love the fact that the mentoring uh, company that I started in the early 2000s that grew to, you know, over 5,000 mentors in 35 countries on any given day, they were working with anywhere from five to eight entrepreneurs mm. daily. So, you know, they were helping 25 to 40,000 business businesses who in turn were then helping their communities every single day in 35 countries. I mean, that touched my heart because I thought, wow, I helped somebody who was passionate about helping others go into business, positively impacted and affected tens of thousands of businesses every day and then the communities they serve. So that's what really charged me up and that's what fuels me when I go to work every day. And I, and I see your energy behind this work. I can see it. I can see that it's very, very authentic. It's real and it's coming from a place of serving others. That's, that's really the, the crux of it all when it comes to the consciouspreneur, that people are doing the work that they really believe will, will bring yeah. good to the world. So I'm really glad that you're saying that, Carl. And, and to add to the point of abundance, I think, you're so right about the fact that if you are abundant yourself, then you can go out and help other people. I mean, look at Tony Robbins, for example. He helps millions of people because he is an abundant man financially and he helps other people. Shifting gears a little bit there, Carl. Explain your, your four-quadrant business model that I remember seeing in one of your videos. But tell us what that model is and how does that apply to different stages of a business? What we learned was uh, over the years of doing personality assessments with business leaders and then and analyzing their businesses that we found that in, you know, uh, the average person's uh, behavioral makeup, there's four quadrants. There's, you know, and if you remember the DISC model, there's the dominant influencer, steadiness and compliance you know, and that means you're the type A personality or you're the fun lover or you're the, you know, your team player, you know, or you're the analytic type. Mm. What we found was that there was actually a corresponding business function. Mm. And so there's four basic business functions. There's strategy, there's business development, number two, there's operations, number three, and there's finance, all things cash, right? Mm. And, you know, and controls in your business. And, and so what we've learned was that the personality of a business will mirror the personality of its owner. And if an owner is a dominant big thinker type, well, the business will probably be a big thinking type business and it'll be all about the strategy and disruptive and want to change that niche. Right. And then if a person is a persuader type, they, an influencer type, they'll go to work every day thinking like a sales and marketing guru. Right. How do I create the relationship? How do I do digital marketing? How do I sell all that sort of thing? And their business will have that mindset. If somebody's more systematic in their thinking, they'll be a more process oriented type lead business leader. They'll go to work every day trying to make everything systematic. 
they'll make all the they want they'll want all the trains to run on time right mm -hmm. and then the fourth type is if you're a real analytic type you'll go to work every day and you'll be thinking about the controls the details compliance insurance the finance of that business well we realize that no one person can be all things to all people but every business must be all things to its clients mm -hmm. it has to be no choice right so each of those quadrants has to run and run very well and we've learned that if you're good in one quadrant it oftentimes it oftentimes um it doesn't it, it inhibits your growth in another area so in other words if you're a big picture thinker and you're a big picture company you oftentimes struggle with process if you're a sales and marketing type organization you often struggle with the with the details and vice versa so what we've learned is is that and what we do with our clients is we assign them four subject matter experts every client gets a strategy advisor a business development advisor an operational advisor and a finance advisor so it covers each of the four quadrants right from the get-go um, immediately in the business and uh, that way each of the areas of the business is receiving its due attention because you might just because you sell doesn't mean you're gonna have more cash at the end you know I mean you you uh, you watch people go on Shark Tank and they say well I'll give you hundred thousand dollars what are you gonna do with it well I want to be on Wal. I want to be in Walmart well, so you're not going to have enough money. $250,000 is not going to get you into Walmart. Mm. You're going to need a million dollars to get into Walmart by the time you're done. And they'll say, oh, wow, gosh, well, where do I come up with that? Well, more sales means more cash means a stress on operations. And so the way we look at a business is we say, no, you know, nothing's in a silo. And one area of your business will affect the other areas of the business. And so we want to make sure that you cover each of those areas. And so in the quadrant model that we look at, so for your listeners, look at everything and see if, if I bring on one more dollar of revenue, what does that mean to my operations? How much is it going to cost me? Do I have to bring in other staff? And then if I bring in and, and which dollar of revenue should I bring in? And is it in alignment with my strategy? And so as you go, you ask those questions of all four quadrants to make sure that they're growing equally. So it's a nice rounded wheel and there's enough rubber on the rim to get down the road. Yeah, that's very, very in-depth. And uh, it, it, I mean, you could, you know, give a course, uh, a university level course on this stuff. That's for sure. I can see the details in there. Now for starting out entrepreneurs, you know, the, the startups, which quadrant should an entrepreneur focus on the most to get their business off the ground? The sales and marketing quadrant. So the, the, you're going to spend most of your time there. And um, the first thing you're going to do, though, is go to the strategy quadrant and build a um, compelling strategy, mission, vision, values, purpose to your business. And you know you have a compelling strategy when you can answer these two questions. Yeah. One, what is so compelling about your business that your employees or your staff or your team would be willing to move geographically to your area and work for less than what they make right now? Number one. Number two, what's so compelling about your business that your, cust your new customers, your soon-to-be customers, would be willing to leave their, their current provider so they can buy from you and pay more than they're currently paying? If you can answer those two questions, you have a compelling vision or strategy. Now, let's say you have that. 
then you're going to spend you're going to spend most of your time in the beginning selling and marketing your business no matter what business you're in what widget you make what service you provide you're in the marketing business and you you have to be relentless in your lead generation and we suggest five simultaneous lead generation systems so if you want to make if you're going to do 200,000 this year right and your average sale is $2,000 so you're going to need 100 customers right and let's say your close rate is 10 to 1 right so you're doing all that math I need 100 customers my close rate is 10 to 1 so that means I've got to talk to a thousand people I need a thousand leads so you would say what are my five lead generation strategies and will those five strategies bring me a thousand leads if not then I need a sixth one or a seventh one or an eighth one or whatever so you would do the lead uh, so I'm gonna network I'm gonna do a trade show I'm gonna do online I'm gonna do online ads or my, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do inbound marketing I'm gonna do a podcast so I would list each one of those and say how many leads would I are they likely to bring me in a given month if you need a thousand in a year that means you need 80 in a month if you work 20 days out of the month that means you need four per day you got to reverse engineer this that means that you got to look at the Correct. amount of leads that you want to bring in and then reverse engineer the marketing strategies or the lead generating strategies, the ones that you listed, the five top ones, and see where you would need to focus on this. That's kind of the approach. Absolutely. Reverse engineering is the right way to think of it. You, and then you would say, well, how long is it going to take me to generate all of that? As a good rule of thumb, we suggest you spend 90 minutes a day marketing yourself, marketing and selling yourself. Hmm. So that, so one day that could be a networking event. The next day that could be sending out 20 direct mail pieces. They call it, you, you could do what they call a rolling 10 campaign. You send on, on day number one, you send out 10 direct mail pieces. Hmm. Day three, you call those 10 people. Next week, you send out 10 more letters. Three days later, when that letter is likely to have shown up in their mailbox, you call them. Hey, that was the guy that sent you that letter or that package or whatever. So these are just some examples. And you would say, oh, okay, well, I can write out those 10 handwritten letters, my yellow letters, if you're in the real estate game, and that's going to take me 90 minutes. I'll send those out. I'll mail them, make them look authentic. And then three days later, I'm going to call everyone I just sent the, uh, sent the letter to. That's going to be my 90 minutes. The next Monday, I do the same thing. Tuesday, I'm going to my uh, networking event. Wednesday, I'm going to walk the floor at a trade show. You get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. And you see me taking down notes here. It's because this information is really good, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really loving this one, for sure. Uh, okay, again, um, so shifting gears again a little bit. Um, tell me, when you see a business struggling, uh, maybe you can tell us a story about one of your times when you saw a business struggle. What are the things that you look at as the possible culprits for a struggling business that uh, you've seen in, the, in, in your experience? One of the things that I'll see is that you've gotten out of the gate and you've priced yourself wrong. So I just got done, just got done talking to an emerging entrepreneur and they said, go to my website. What do you think of my packages? I said, I think they're great, but you've undersold yourself. In other words, they, they, you know, there's a, there is a feeling that if I'm new, in my business, I should have to discount to get my name out there. And so for any of you listening out here right now, eradicate that from your vocabulary. And here's what you replace it with. You say from now on, 
you know, somebody says, well, how long have you been in business? Are you new? You're not new. No, but none of you are new unless you're six months old. You're all in your 20s, 30s, 40s. You ain't new. I got to tell you, you ain't new anymore. You are, you have made yourself available to the marketplace in a way that you had not been available before. That's the way it works. You're not new. You've made yourself available to the marketplace in a way that you hadn't before. If Richard Branson started a new business and his new business was mentoring and coaching over lunch, he'll, you take him out to lunch and he'll coach you. And he launched it as a, would he say that's new and he's a new entrepreneur? No, or would he say, no, absolutely not. He's Richard Branson for crying out loud. He would say, listen, I'm just making a program available that I've never made available before. Who wants in? And we'd be like signing up right now to fly to Necker Island and take the guy out for lunch. So first off is they'll undersell themselves and sorry, they'll underprice themselves and they'll do that thinking that they, that they need to, because there's an old school way of thinking that says, I discount early. I'll grab, I'll get a base. And then I'll raise my prices later. Now, in some cases, that is, you might have to do that. If you're playing an Amazon game or a Groupon game, I get that. There are certain times when that is, when that is appropriate. But what I find almost across the board is new entrepreneurs way undersell or underprice their products or service. They charge $50 an hour when it's really worth $100 an hour. I get discounting a little bit now and again, but what will happen is, you'll get this whole base of clientele that you now have to service at break even or less. And so it'll stunt their growth because they're not earning what they deserve. And you simply don't, I like to go in the opposite direction. Tesla did not come out and say, Oh, you can buy this hundred thousand dollar car for 60 grand because we hope you really accept us in the marketplace. No way. They went in the opposite direction. This $125,000 car is one you can buy if you want, and, and we'll launch our $35,000 car later. You know, Apple doesn't discount. Who's the last person you knew that, that went into an Apple store, store and started, you know, negotiating the price of a phone? I don't think so. You know, um, it's, you know, it's not to say they wouldn't put something on sale or make a promo, but they undersell themselves. That's number one. Number two is they get caught in a roller coaster, the feast or famine roller coaster of marketing versus fulfilling. They get a couple clients, they're marketing like crazy. Then they're like, wow, I'm busy. I got to go run, fulfill my clientele. So they fulfill their client orders and services. And while they're doing that, they're not marketing. So all of a sudden the project comes to an end and now they're like, huh, I don't have any clients. So what do I need to do? I've got to go out there and start marketing again. And they get caught in this roller coaster, and that also will, will uh, stunt their growth as well. You see this a lot in the music world. You'll watch a band fight, 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 and finally make it. Mm. And then right after that first album, they break up. Because the energy to get to a point of acceptance is, is the hardest area and so energy they just weren't up for the job getting to a certain point just tore them apart mm -hmm. um and it, be, it was because they didn't plan it out or they didn't they didn't define their roles very well or you know they didn't think through what are the possible challenges that i am going to encounter and how do i deal with them so uh, the number one thing is the the one that i was thinking about and it begs the question if you are underpricing yourself 
then how is it that you determine what you're worth or what your value is worth or what your service is worth? How do you determine that and then go out there and then have the mindset to actually ask for that uh, from people that you, know, you, you yourself believe that you're not worth asking for that much? How do you get over that hump, that mindset hump? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, as far as helping determine what your pricing is, while I'm not a big guy, I'm not a big guy when it comes to competition. I don't really believe in it all that much. I do. You do want to do some market research to see where people, where your competitors are pricing themselves, and you want to be among the higher echelon. Find out what the top of the rung is and go for that. Now, you're you're absolutely right, Ahmed. You you can't just demand a high price and not deliver. Right. Your delivery offering has to be at the top of the niche as well. And here's how you find that out. What you do is in whatever niche that you're in, find out what the top five complaints are of that niche. What are the top five complaints that purchasers would have about buying from people in that niche? So if you're an auto mechanic, what are the top five, and you want to go into that uh, auto service, what are the top five complaints about auto service? Oh, you sell me something I don't need. You intimidate me. You, you know, you talk down to me. You're condescending. You don't set an appointment. You take my car forever. I never get it back. Find out what those complaints are. If you're a coach, a consultant, an accountant, an attorney, you know, a candy shop on the corner, a retail establishment, you name it. What are the top five complaints? I'll give you an example. When Netflix first started, they were just mail order DVDs, mail order movies, and their big competitor was Blockbuster. And so they said, what are the top five complaints people have about going to a, a video rental store? And then they said, uh, they take those top five complaints and they said, not only do we think we can roll them into our business plan and fix them, we, they actually went out and made the promise that that will never happen to you if you become our customer. You want to keep going to Blockbuster, fine. Knock yourself out. The top five complaints were, I got to go there. I got to drive back two trips. One, you'll run out of titles. Uh, so uh, three, you'll run out of titles. <clears throat> Four, you're going to charge me penalties for over usage, mm. right? You're going to punish me for being a better customer. Thank you very much, by the way. <laughs> and then you'll hit me with other penalties if I don't rewind it, if uh, you know, I can't buy it, all this other stuff. So all Netflix said is they didn't talk bad about Blockbuster. They just said, if you want to keep going there, knock yourself out. All we ask is that you put your credit card on file and you walk back and forth to your mailbox. You just pay for whatever you use. You want to buy it? Buy it. We don't run out of titles, by the way. You know, we don't ask you to rewind. We don't make a penalty if you keep it longer. Just pay for whatever you use. Is that cool with you? Send it back when you're done. But Netflix eliminated. They didn't beat Blockbuster. They eliminated Blockbuster because so one of the ways that you set your pricing and understand what is a high value pricing is find out what the top five complaints are. If you can solve one of those five, you price yourself like everyone else. If you can solve two or three of those problems, you get towards the upper end of the niche. If you can solve all five, you're the top in the niche. That's the way you price yourself. It's, it's fine with companies that are disruptors in the industry. Like you took the example of Netflix. Obviously, there was, they were a disruptive uh, organization that literally changed the way that we consume entertainment or movies. But what about mm -hmm. if you are in an industry that is full of competition, is saturated perhaps, and you don't have like, that, like for example, coaching, let's just take coaching out here on the West coast. We have more coaches than you can, uh, than you can imagine. 
Um, and it's a saturated <laughs> industry. How do you separate yourself? I mean, I understand the point of having those five top complaints. I mean, you can look at that in any industry, but in a crowded one, how do you think that, you know, you can apply that same model in an industry where there is a lot of competition? Now, bear in mind, remember I said what I said before, only a couple percentage points of people have the actual goal to win, right? Now, so one of the ways that you distinguish yourself is through your pricing immediately, because that's the number one filter that buyers look at to see if your quality is high or not. So the average coach makes about $78,000 a year, full-time coach. The average part-time coach makes $23,000 per year. Average coach charges between $50 and $100 per hour. Average good executive coach charges about $250 per hour. A life coach will charge, you know, will tend to get on the lower echelon of the price ranges. Here's what I'm a big fan of. You make it guaranteed. You say to your clients, if I'm a procrastination coach, a stop procrastination coach, if I'm a uh, wellness coach, a relationship coach, executive coach, we will set out a, a series of parameters, KPIs, key performance indicators, um, uh, weight loss, you name it. In the beginning, you come to me and you tell me what it is you, you want to accomplish. I'm going to give you a price, maybe not by the hour, and, uh, but I'm going to give you an option. I'll, I'll charge you my regular fees. Let's say it's $100 an hour, 12 coaching sessions. It's $1,200 over the next three months. Mm. Or I'm going to charge you $3,500, and I'm going to guarantee you get your results. And if I don't get you your results, you get all your money back. So I work for 90 days for nothing. However, you have to fully commit to doing everything in my plan. So I'm going to send you a list of the requirements of what it takes to work with me. You have to show up every time, homework always. I get full access to your journal, whatever. The journal, you know, if, if you're, let's say you're keeping a food journal. Um, or, you know, you have, to, you have to invite me to your calendar so I can see what's on your calendar so you can't switch your calendar on me and, and procrastinate. Mm. Um, so I'm going to make a list of parameters. I have zero tolerance. You miss, you pay anything. But if you do everything I say and you don't get your result, I'll give you all your money back. Mm. Now we're talking. Now you've differentiated yourself right away because 99% of the coaches would, don't, don't have the guts to make that offer. <laughs> so in my business, I make a five to one guarantee. Which means if I can't show you how to make or save five times the amount of my fee, the whole thing's free. Okay. How many other coaches do you think can make that same offer? Yeah, not many. And I think uh, uh, a lot of well, them. Well, I would challenge that, Ahmed. I would say all of them can make the offer. Right. How many of them do you think do? Well, you know, you're right. I don't think that many of them are doing that. But I think there's also this, this, this factor of, the confidence that you have in your service. If you have the confidence mm -hmm. that your service is worth what you're charging for, then you're going to deliver. Sure. But it also takes that amount of experience behind what you're bringing to the table that allows you to sure. be that bold, to be that experienced. But I think there's incredible value in being bold. And how to become bold, is it through experience only, Carl? Or do you think that this is something that one can foster and be bolder in how they approach their 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 sales, their offers, and and let let their 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 boldness come before their experience for new entrepreneurs for startups. Yeah, so it, it's a great question because the um, becoming bold and building confidence is, is is like building a wall out of bricks, and you 
you, you do it a little bit at a time and as your confidence builds and you build on your successes and your victories, confidence tends to grow and, and your willingness to be more bold and more provocative and, and willing to take more risk will go along with it. What we suggest people to help build on their, you know, build their confidence level is to stack their success. Right now, you might be a brand new entrepreneur right out of the gate, new in your business. However, you probably did something similar in another world. And so you can take your, see that there's content and there's context, right? And so even if you're a brand new entrepreneur, you have a lot of content, right? right? Meaning you have a lot of successes in your life and you went to school and you got a degree and, and you've done a lot of things and you've done a lot of things well. I mean, if you're even contemplating being an entrepreneur, you have a lot of very positive attributes just to get, just to get the conversation started. Mm -hmm. And you're probably starting a business because you've done something very, very well in your past. You have content, like you have a resume of things you've done very well and, and significantly well. What you probably don't have is context. Meaning I haven't done it yet in my coaching business, but I used to do it every day in my job. Mm. I haven't been an auto mechanic. I've never been the owner of an auto shop, but I worked as an auto mechanic for 10 years. And so you just don't, what, what, um, what a new entrepreneur needs to know is that they can take the content is transferable. Your traits are transferable. You can just because you may not have been in your own business and help somebody as a coach, Think of all the times in your job, someone came to you just as a friend and said, hey, listen, can I run something past you? And you were present and you were genuine and you were authentic and you, you were there for them and you came from the heart and you were service minded and you helped them. Well, you know what? In the coaching world, that's called a coaching session. We just change the context. So just know that, you're, that, that what you've done in the past will transfer. You just have to adapt the context. And, sh and, and apply what you've learned here over there. And so that, that, you know, that's, a, that's a one way to build uh, your confidence. And what I would, what I would, what I would do is I would, take a, I would just take out a piece of paper or go on your journal app on your, on your device and just make a list. All the things I've done really well, all of my successes and victories, big or small, over the last five years. Just do that. You want to keep going? Go back 10. Want to keep going back, go back 15, whatever, but just go back and make a huge list of every little thing you did well, every big thing you did well. By the time you're done, you're going to be like, wow, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm ready to take on the world. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I also suggest to all the entrepreneurs that I work with is list out all the all the accomplishments that you've had, even going to school, all, you know, a degree, all of that stuff counts in creating your confidence and your history and how much you bring to the table. I can talk to you for hours, but I guess we have to wrap up some of these uh, <laughs> conversation here because of the time that we're, we're, we're taking. But I want to ask you, this is an interesting question that came to my mind, and I'm sure you have a good answer for this. Carl, what do you think are the hottest industries right now? that entrepreneurs should be looking at. And I'm talking about industries that are going to be blooming in the next couple of years and then five to 10 years down the line. Like what are the industries that entrepreneurs that are thinking of starting up companies should look at as the new place to be? There's an, uh, so I'll give you a couple of uh, categories first. Any business that you can be in where you bring the product or the service to the customer, mm -hmm. anything that delivers the product or service. So for example, 
Uh, in the franchising world, we have a client that has a mobile brake repair business, meaning uh, he'll come right to your home or office. They're called the brake squad. And they'll come right to your home or office and change your brakes right there. You don't have to get out of the car. I was in, um, where was I? I was in England and we were at a mall. And as we, we parked in the parking garage and as we're walking to the mall, there was a car wash right there, a mobile car wash. You could park in those spots and they'll wash your car while you're at the mall. Mm-hmm. They bought the car wash to you. If you're a dog groomer, don't make people come to you. Go to them and to groom the dog at home. Um, and, you know, um, that's what Uber did. Uber put the, they made, they took out, they got rid of the middleman and made you the dispatcher. They bought the taxi company to you instead of you having to go to the taxi company. Mm-hmm. So anytime, any business you're in where you, even if you're a retail shop, Make a home delivery service. You know, if you're a bagel shop, don't make people come in each time. Say, A, give me an app so you can order in advance. Or just tell me where your, you know, your office is and what time you get there. We'll drop it off. Mm-hmm. So any business that you can deliver, that's the hottest thing in franchising right now, by the way. Every franchise is looking, how do I take the, the franchise to the owner, to the buyer, not make the buyer come to the franchise? So you mean like make okay. things convenient for your customers? Convenient and think delivery service and think uh, uh, membership and subscription-based services where people, you just dollar shave club. Mm. Perfect example. Bring it. Do- I'm not going to make you come to me. Chewy.com. Pet food come right to your door. Delivery service and convenience. That That's a big one. Uh, now, the vocations are bigger and big, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Contract, like contracting. Think landscaping, window cleaning, gutter cleaning, uh, painting. There's a whole generation that just didn't get into those trades. Mm-hmm. And most of those manual trades have always, for the last 100 years, been dominated by the current wave of, of immigration. You know, the New York Times put out an ad uh, looking for a maid, and it said, Irish need not apply. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, because at the time that was the next wave of immigration and they were doing all the manual work. Now the construction and contracting world is dominated by the Hispanic community, but there's just not enough of them out there doing the work. So our clients that are in any of the vocations, any of the manual, like blue collar or gray collar work, getting your hands dirty, anything that puts dirt under your fingernails you can get a premium for that work right now because there's just a shortage of them, truck drivers and, and masons and all that. So these are, these are become hot and sexy trends again. Who thought the junk removal would be the, one of the hottest franchises and mover, moving services? So any of, the, any of the vocations are hot, any delivery services are hot, th- those are big ones right now. Yeah, I think uh, you're right about that. People don't talk about those very much. I think the most that I hear is, you know, either an AI or virtual reality or driverless or autonomous vehicles. Most people talk about technologies, but I really agree that the vocation should not be forgotten. You know, the the delivery and the franchise services um, offer a lot of opportunity. I mean, tech is hot. There's no question about it. But think about it. How many Amazons are there out there in the world right now? Three? Amazon, Alibaba, and eBay? I mean, there's only a handful. 77% of all the online purchases are made through Amazon, Facebook, and Google. 
tech is hot, but you 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 barely have a shot here. You got you know, dominant um, players in the market there already. You're right. Right. So yeah, I mean, you can create widgets and you can create intellectual property that service that. Like Instagram was built to be sold to Facebook. It was built for that very reason. Snapchat was built to be sold to somebody else. I mean, there the you know, so you can build technology and technology is, is way incredibly scalable, no question about it. So technology is always going to be hot. But, you know, if you're if you also want to look into a, 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 you know, a market that you can get into reasonably hmm. and you can start making money on it right away, you can build a multi-million dollar business on it right away. You know, I've given you a couple of low cost entry, high margin and high revenue businesses you can get in tomorrow. Totally. To wrap up our conversation here, Carl, tell us what's next for you. I know you're doing some really good work with entrepreneurs and businesses, but what is the what does the next five to ten years look like for Carl Gould? Oh, great. So um, we are going to continue to train people who want to become coaches, and we're going to continue to work with our clients uh, to help them uh, achieve their sustainable growth in uh, revenue and profits. And over the next five to 10 years, our goal is to work with not only our clients, but show other business advisory firms like uh, consulting firms and accounting firms and law firms how to become better coaches to their clients so they in turn can impact more people. So that's where, that's where we're headed. Awesome. That's beautiful. I am super excited to see your journey as well. Hopefully in the next five to 10 years, we can see you take over the globe and maybe come out here to the West Coast and put a few offices. We need some people like you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. All right. Well, take care. It was great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. If you enjoyed this podcast, my friend, then you should definitely check out a three-day video series that I've put together on the website that shows you how you can turn your passion into a business. It is a proven method that I have used in my business and several entrepreneurs that I have worked with to take them from where they are today, possibly in a job that they don't enjoy, to being in a place that they really do love and have a business and a lifestyle that they want. So my friend, visit our website at voebeheard.com and check out the video series. Hope to see you there.